0: Hello, and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the podcast where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this podcast is to be a source of inspirational truth that will awaken a deeper hunger within you for the fire of God to burn brighter and hotter in your life. Leviticus 6.12 says the fire on the altar must be kept burning, it must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering system of the temple and it also reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that will help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello, and welcome to Maintain the Flame this week. I am Keith Collins, your host, and I'm blessed to know that you are listening today. Can I ask you to do me a favor? If you are listening, could you drop us a line, a message, an email to let us know where you're listening from? You can do that by visiting our website. You can go to Keith-Collins.org. And you have the ability through that website to send us a message that we'll see. And we just like to know where people are listening from. And just a little bit of, inf- of information here for you. This message goes out through podcast. Um, each and every week, Maintain the Flame is the name of our podcast. However, some of you might not know this, we also have a radio show. So we take the same recording, and it is sent to a shortwave tower signal um, in Southeast Asia, and it reaches about 48 Percent of the world's population, the signal reaches. Now we know we're not reaching that many people. Forty-eight percent of the world's population. However, the signal actually covers that much of the world's population, and we do know that we're reaching many people through that. So wherever you're listening from, maybe it's through shortwave radio, via our radio show on Hope Radio, or. Maybe you're listening through the podcast, maybe through Apple or Apple iTunes or through Spotify or however you're listening to podcasts. But if you could do us a favor, again, please keithcollins.org or dash, I'm sorry, keith-collins.org, excuse me, um, is the website, and please send us a message. We love to know who is listening to this, and if you have a prayer request or um, a comment or even maybe a theological question, please feel free to send it through the website, um, and we will be glad to see that and respond to you as quickly as possible. Well, again, if you're a first-time listener this week, thank you for listening. If you are one that maybe listens each and every week, and we've been doing this for, I think, over two years now, we welcome you back, and we are so blessed and thankful to know that you're listening. I do encourage you to invite others to listen with you to tell others about the show and we we pray that many many lives are are being touched and changed and that's really the passion in our hearts as we share the word of god the truth of the word of god each and every week so again welcome to the show today you know this week i wanted to to share with you some things that are just burning upon my heart and if you've listened to maintain the flame for any length of time you do know that I have a great heart for revival. I've actually spent entire weeks talking about revival. I think at one point I did four or five programs based on the subject of revival. I'm a revivalist at heart. If you ask me who I am, what I am, I will tell you first and foremost that I'm a lover of Jesus, but then I'm a revivalist. I have a heart to see the Lord touch His church, bring them back to life, to, to revive, to vivify the church. Um, And oftentimes that's painful because it comes through acknowledgement of compromise and even sin and it comes through conviction and repentance. And those things we see are common throughout history, whether it be the history of the Old Testament and the children of Israel when they would stray and worship and pray and um, idolize demon gods or you know practice idolatry, then the Lord would oftentimes bring judgment upon them and they would come back to repentance. And sometimes we see where the Lord would even use different kings and primarily would use prophets to bring the truth of The fact that God is the only God to be worshiped, that behold, Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. So, revival is really a bringing back to understanding. To the people of god that that the lord and he alone is worthy of our adoration he's worthy of our lives he's worthy of our praise and so revival can be painful and i was at a church a couple of weekends ago in east tennessee and the pastor there a dear friend of mine named jeff Timms, who was actually one of our students during the or revival era down in pensacola florida but but Jeff asked me to to spend a couple of hours on a Saturday morning and to teach on the subject of revival. And to be honest with you, um, my heart has been burning with this theme again since that time. And I never get too far away from it because, again, it's it's who I am. But, but I wanted to just talk to you today um, about something that is very much a part of revival. So when I say revival... Again, as I've said in the past on different programs, I don't mean that um, the house is full of people or the church house is full of people. I don't mean the parking lot being full. I don't mean, um, you know, just some glorious thing that people get excited about and hyped up about and emotional about. And some of those things happen in the midst of revival, and thank God for that. But but revival has a deeper purpose. It, it has a deeper work. And again, It comes to to deal with the condition of the human heart and to deal with the condition of oftentimes a sleepy, even a backslidden, compromised church. And judgment begins at the house of God, the Word of God says. So oftentimes revival initially is a tool of judgment. And that might sound challenging to some of you, but, but I want you to just listen to some things I'm going to share today about revival, but really more Than just talking about revival. I want to talk about one of the elements that is always present in authentic, genuine revival. And again, revival can consist of joy, it can consist of conviction, um, repentance, um, you know, the power of God, manifestations of the Holy Spirit, signs and wonders and miracles, um, salvations, uh, a divine magnetism that even draws the lost into that environment um, powerful heaven open pre heaven opening preaching um, i mean all these things all these things can take place in the midst of revival and oftentimes they do when we study the history of great moves of god um, we see that oftentimes these things were very obvious they were very present and thankfully over the years people have recorded the things that took place in the midst of revivals that again started in the church and then we see at times like in Wales in 1904 when God began to move in power and the Welsh revival broke out it wasn't just Moriah Chapel and Llawcar Wells which is the the little village or town that that Moriah Chapel was in or is in but really the the entire landscape over there the 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 entire small country came under like almost a fixation. In other words, there was a very obvious outpouring of the Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit hovered over that land as a result. We read history and we read stories of of men maybe going to a pub to, to drink as they normally do and conviction overtaking them while they're walking on the side of the road. We we read stories about um, you know maybe big burly men that were just full of vile and and full of evil even how coming to the place of tears as they experience conviction leading to godly sorrow leading to repentance. So all these great manifestations of revival, but But I want to ask you a question. What is it that causes such things to happen? Is it the talent of an evangelist? Is it the... The, the worship songs that are being sung, all those things happen oftentimes. And I know my experience in the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida, I showed up there in 1996 and was really there throughout the entirety of the revival until it really ended around 2000. Um, started in Father's Day of 95. I showed up in 96, a few months after it started, but, or several months after it started. But anyhow it wasn't just that Steve Hill was an anointed evangelist. It wasn't just that Lyndall Cooley was an anointed psalmist or worship leader or that there were other great leaders like Pastor John Kilpatrick or Dr. Michael Brown, a great teacher with a prophetic voice. Um, all those things were powerful. David Ravenhill was there. Linda Ravenhill's son showed up. Different different people were there that were truly instruments in the hand of God. But it wasn't just the fact that these individuals were anointed and called of God, there was something that was present, and um, we can call that the glory of God, we can call that the the Hebrew word, the kabod, the weight of God, but I like to call it the fire of God, because there is something about the nature of God and fire that cannot be separated. God is oftentimes seen as fire. He's seen as a God consisting of, of fire, and oftentimes we see in the Word of God, we see throughout history that oftentimes the, the natural elements, whether it be fire or wind and the Holy Spirit or or water and the Holy Spirit, we, we see that, that there is correlation and there's connection between oftentimes natural things and spiritual things. So when we say that God is a fire, we can look at Hebrews 12, 29. Again, if you've heard me teach about revival, you've heard me say what I'm about to say. I believe the greatest revival verse in the Word of God is Hebrews 12 and verse 29, where the writer of Hebrews simply says, For our God is a consuming fire. In other words, his nature is overwhelming. It burns. It it scorches. It obliterates. And that might sound heavy duty, and it's supposed to, because God is a consuming fire. Now, that fire um, consists of different things. It, 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 it consists, and I want to talk about this primarily today, but it consists of purification or purging, but it also consists of of passion and fiery love towards his bride. So there are many elements that are connected with this dynamic of fire, but but I want to just share some things about the fire of God as I am praying, God, send revival to your church. Awaken the American church, awaken the European church, awaken the Asian church, the South American church, the African church. Awaken your people, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Lord, the Middle East, the Far East. God, awaken your church. Lord, bring revival fire. Listen, when I look at the condition of America, here's what I really believe. I believe the only hope for my nation is revival in the church, that the church has to experience the fire of God, the intensity of God's consuming fire. I don't just mean a little campfire that we sit around and warm our hands by or maybe cook our marshmallows and hot dogs over. Now, I'm talking about a fire that consumes everything in its path, a fire that that rearranges the physics of, of things in the natural, and it rearranges the spiritual things also in the supernatural. So, so let me share some quotes with you. Ian Bounds says this. Ian Bounds was a great man of prayer. He's known as the Apostle of Prayer, and he lived during the Civil War era in America. Bounds said this one time, God must be represented by a fiery church, or He is not truly represented. God is all fire. And His church, if it be like Him, must also be aflame with the great eternal interest of His. Now, what is Ian Bounds saying? Ian Bounds is saying this, listen, It's important to understand that for the church to be normal, she must be like the God that she serves. And God is fiery by nature. What does Bound say? God is all fire. And His church, if it's going to be like Him, then it must be on fire. It must have a burning dynamic. It must be alive and awake and full of passion and full of apostolic mission, full of a burden for the lost, full of fiery prayer, full of fiery preaching, full of deep, deep passion to know Jesus in a deeper and a deeper way every single day. Friend, this is who the church is supposed to be. And Bound says, if it's not like that, then it's not truly the church. Now, let me let me just say something here that might sound critical. I don't mean for it to, but, but it it might sound that way. Anyhow, I believe a lot of what we call the church in America, as well as around the world, is really more of a caricature of the church. In other words, you can see the form. Paul said it like this. There's a form of godliness that people have, but they end up denying the power The power of what the power of the gospel the power of the fiery nature of god that is to accompany the gospel paul said when he preached the gospel that signs and wonders followed the preaching of the gospel another way to say that is the fire of god was present while preaching and even after preaching so we've come to a time in the history of so much of the church world, especially in the American church, that's what I know the best. Even though I have I've traveled to 37 nations and I've I've been with the church in many many parts of the world, but but when I look at the condition of the American church today, as well as Western Europe and maybe even parts of or other parts of the world, but but so much of the church has learned to do church without the fire of God. There's a form of godliness. What do I mean by that? They pray in Jesus' name. They maybe read the Bible. They have homilies or maybe they have a Bible study and maybe they have a, an outreach mission that, that feeds the poor once a week or maybe a soup kitchen or, or, or whatever. And all those things are biblical and I believe we should do them and they're, they're amazing and they have, um, they have a lot of impact oftentimes. However, you can do all of that without the fire of God. Um, you can be a church that does not even believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation or to heaven and do good things, but not have the fire of God. You can have a form of godliness. You can have a, a a religion. Even you can, listen, you can even have, um, strict rules, um, even to the point of legalistic what i mean by that rules without relationship in other words the way you look the way you talk and all those things and listen i believe in holiness of life i believe in in purity of of, of life and heart but i believe it comes through the fire of god burning on the inside of us, and then it reflects on the outside. But many people have mis messed this thing up, and it's all about the outside, but there's no inward purity. There's no true fire of God. So that's another form of godliness, void of the power. So uh, listen, listen again. Ian Bound says this. God has to be represented by a fiery church, or he is falsely or not truly represented. In other words, a church without the fire is, is not really the real church it's again a form it's an institution oftentimes and you've heard me say this many times if you've listened for two years or even a year jesus is their mascot but he's not the lord he's not burning among the people jesus said he would baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire so a lot of people want Jesus because they don't want to go to hell. They want Jesus because he validates the fact that they are a church or they're called to preach. They, they want Jesus because he, he makes them look a certain way and present themselves a certain way. But, friend, without the fire, you don't really have the nature of God. You don't really have the real Jesus. Listen to what John Wesley said. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church. Prior to that, he was an Anglican. He was a a very pious man. His mother Susanna um, lived a very pious, religious, holy life, and she instilled that into John Wesley and his multiple siblings. But listen to what John Wesley said. He said, My fear is not that our not that our great movement, known as Methodist, will eventually cease to exist or one day die from the face of the earth. He said, my fear is that our people will become content to live without the fire, the power, the excitement, the supernatural that makes us great. What is Wesley saying? Wesley saying, listen, my fear is really this that we just become a religious institution that maybe do one or two or maybe three services a week, and maybe we have communion, and maybe we we baptize people. Maybe we have church membership. Maybe we have church membership classes. Maybe we have a, a quarterly church dinner where everybody comes together in fellowships, and you know maybe we send money to, to feed the poor in Africa or maybe even the poor in our communities, and maybe we have a soup kitchen and maybe even a, 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 a food pantry and a clothing place. People can come and get clothes. And listen, I'm for every one of those things. And I've been a part of those things at, at multiple times. But he said, listen, you can have all of that and just be a religious institution void of what? Void of the power, void of the fire. He said, my fear is that our people will be content to live without the fire. The fire of God. And then he said, the power, the power of God, the excitement, the excitement of God, the supernatural that makes us great. What makes the church real? Not the fact that we have edifices called church buildings. Listen, the church is not a building, the church might meet in a building periodically, but we are the church, but we put so much focus and emphasis on the building oftentimes, and we have these great structures known as churches, and and they have a, a an aura and a sense of religion and um, even a sense of sacredness about them, but oftentimes they're just places of deadness and darkness dormancy and religious christian behavior patterns and production oriented services and and book reports or maybe self-help messages but there's no fire there's no passion there's no prayer there's no burden for a dying world there's no reality of eternity of heaven and of hell and as a result we learn to go through the motions of religion with no fire with no glory we are not really truly representing the god whose name that we use but we represent oftentimes like i said a caricature caricature of religion a a hybrid form of christianity that is void of the very nature of god himself god is a god of fire it's who he is it's what he does. It's, it's his nature. It's not something he cannot do. He is a God of fire. When Ezekiel saw him, he saw him. Listen, he, he saw his very um, form, and he was burning with fire. Listen to, his, listen to some of these verses in the Bible. Exodus, excuse me, Exodus 9, 18. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke. Why? Because the Lord descended upon it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a burning furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. Why? Friend, God's a God of fire. Israel saw Him on Mount Sinai as fire. Listen to Exodus twenty-four seventeen. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Again, Hebrews 12, 29, the writer says, Our God is a consuming fire. This is not a new thing. This is not just something that happened since Pentecost. This is not just a Pentecostal charism. No, friend, God has always been a God of fire, Old Testament and New Testament. Matthew 3, John the Baptist, he said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. What's it say? He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Again, we see this in the New Testament. Listen to Psalm 104 4. He makes his angel spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. Again, this theme is just throughout the Word of God. And of course Acts two, chapter, or verses one through four, excuse me. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Listen, there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, a literal fire lit upon each of their heads. It rested upon their heads. God was revealing again who he was, a God of fire. What did he baptize? Those 120 in the upper room with, he baptized them in his nature. What is his nature? His nature is fire, friend. Friend, this is who we have to be as the people of God. And I'm not talking about um, Just the volume of our preaching. I'm not talking about the way that we do our services loud and, and, and all that. That can happen sometimes. Sometimes we don't say a word. Matter of fact, some of the most incredible experiences I've ever had with the fire of God, um, even back in the Browns or revival days, the fire of God would rest upon the people. And there were times for 30, 45 minutes. It became completely silent as we were afraid to even almost breathe because the holiness of God's fire was burning with intensity in that very room, Brownsville Assembly of God, that we were gathered in. So it's not the volume. It's not the the kind of music. It's not whether we dance before the Lord or we don't dance. It's not whether we fall on the ground and slain in the Spirit or we're not. It's not speaking in tongues. All those things can and might happen, and historically they have happened at different times when wesley would preach sometimes people would be so convicted they would fall from their seat maybe their pew onto the ground groaning under conviction why the fire of god was present you see my friend when we are void of the fire then we're void of the nature of god when the lord is not manifesting who he is among his people through holy fire then again as As Ian Bounds said, we we cease to represent God effectively or biblically. You see, the church in the New Testament on the day of Pentecost in that upper room, those 120 gathered together that day as the prophecy from Joel was being fulfilled. They were baptized. They were birthed in and through the fire. That's how the church came to be. And, and, And listen, it doesn't matter so much what we do, what we say. It doesn't matter what we present or how we present ourselves. If the fire of God is not present in our lives, even in our gatherings as his people, the way that we live our lives, the way that we conduct our families, the way that we we do what God has called us to do as to be salt and light in the earth, as to be the light of the world to a dying and a dark world, then listen, then what we accomplish is only religious. It's only routine. You see, it is the nature of God to reveal himself in power and in demonstration in and among his people. And because of lukewarmness, I've only got a couple of minutes here, because of lukewarmness, because of coldness, because of carnality, because of self-preservation, there is a fear that has even crept into a lot of the Pentecostal charismatic arenas to where people who once burned with Passion for Jesus who once had the fire of God present in their lives and their ministries in their prayer meetings in their missions outreaches in their focus on reaching the community for Jesus now they've become ashamed of the power of the Holy Spirit now listen I acknowledge and I understand that flesh can be present and that demons can be present and I've I've witnessed this even myself when God was moving that people would get out of order and so However, we don't throw away the gifts of the Spirit, the fire of God, because some people might get out of order. We, as leaders, if you're a leader, hear me. As leaders, we ask for discernment, and we we lead. We we understand what Paul said that things are to be done decently and in order. However, Paul's description in Corinthians was not just a description of the way even our our um, corporate gatherings should be. I believe it was a prescription. In other words. Whenever you come together, there should be prophecy. There should be tongues. The glory of God should be present. So I hope you hear my heart today, friend. The church must be revived if we are going to have the fire of God present and active in and among us. And if we're not, then we can be satisfied with dead, dormant religion, and we can go through the motions while the world around us dies without Jesus. Listen, the world needs awakening. The church needs revived. And the only way it happens is just to humble ourselves and say, Lord, what we've been doing is not working. We have to have revival fire burning in our hearts, burning in our lives once again. Hey, listen, I hope you'll join me again next week. I'm going to pick up on this subject, on the fire of God, um, and continue to share on this. But let let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray right now, may the fire of your nature fall upon everyone that's listening to this. Awaken their hearts to a hunger to know you, to walk with you. Father, may there be a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit upon many, many lives today as your glory is revealed as never before. We thank you, God, that you're still faithful to your nature. You're a God of fire. And if we call upon you, you will manifest your glory in our generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame tonight. Again, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or at impactgf.org. We love you. May the fire of God burn in your heart with a greater intensity than ever before. And we'll see you again next week on Maintain the Flame. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins. I want to ask you to please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then please subscribe and listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about my ministry, please go to keith-collins.org or impactgf.org.